right, guys, you know what it is. It's the sound. It's little Matt Bolton, and it's his new intro, Shakedown into Summer Solstice, Winter Solstice. Here we are in episode 22. It's our last bracket of the first round, and we have everybody but Lee today. We got Papa Gig. We got DJ. We got YOLO. We got TD Whitman, Big Mike, and Mikey D going right into it because we got the first two bands we got we got something crazy we got frank zappa against blues traveler who, who wants to start us off with a story on either of those yeah, the, the last concert the last true concert i went to before the COVID shut everything down was dweezil zappa at the paramount out by out by me here i went with that sure. and it was i didn't know a lot of the music but the band was airtight and it was so well played. And my understanding was that uh, like father, like son, he's going to great lengths to be able to play in the same manner of his father. Um, But like you, like I'd never have gone out and uh, say, I need to hear some Frank Zappa, (laughs) but I respect the guy as just being an incredible musician and a brilliant mind. Mm Yeah. And just a, so I, um, on the other hand, grew up with a steady diet of Frank Zappa. And when my dad would play it, I thought it was weird. Uh, mm-hmm. But I came to appreciate it. I came to appreciate all the, uh, the the styles and like the genre bending person that he was. Uh, and I think that's become a bit of a cliche. But he truly played blues rock jazz uh, he did it all and he'd mix it all all of those styles in in one tune and put some quirky bizarre lyrics on it which you know kind of i think in some cases detracted from the from the music but if you listen to the music he was one hell of a guitar player and he he surrounded himself with amazing musicians and they did some really interesting compositions so I'm a big fan of of Zappa. You know, just to interject there, last week we had Deep Purple. (laughs) Deep Purple couldn't play a show because the night before, some crazy guy with a flare gun burnt down all of Zappa and the Mother Inventions equipment. But how about how about John Popper? Does, I've never seen him live, and and he's he's local. He's he's close to here. Anybody? I, I saw him. Um, I've seen him before, but the last time I saw him, Artie and Pat. Do you remember the Bald Hill Amphitheater? Oh sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's um it's nearby here. It's maybe a six thousand person amphitheater that is maybe fifteen minutes from my house. That is so underutilized it's a shame and it mostly gets uh like mid-tier country acts by a local radio station during the summer it's just it's a shame and um blues traveler and mo blues traveler and mo played there the summer uh not last summer the summer before summer before and it was criminally under attended uh, i mean there there had to be less than 500 people there i mean i just walked right up front and uh, they were good, though. I mean, I enjoyed it. And uh, Chan Kinchler, the guitar player, was vaping like it was going out of style. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Popper can just he, – he plays the harmonica really like not uh, anybody else that I know. Sure. That I, that I know of. You know, the only thing I can say as a plus for, for Blues Traveler and Popper is that um, – you know, when those college radio stations were really hip, you know, that first album or CD he came out with was just 
you know, Hook, Run Around, but anyway, and then the second album, and then they they put him on the Horde Festival, and he was a headliner there. But yeah, unless anyone else has any uh, any other um, major, uh, raise your hand and discuss. Yeah, Zapper's going through on that one. That was an easy. That was like a one against the six. Uh, and then the next two we have, we have um, Warren Zevon against Fish, and this is like a night and day. I, you know, the only thing I I thought was interesting is then when was when Warren Zevon was starting, he was in uh, like um, that's a Laurel Canyon. He was living up in California then, and you know he roomed with the Stevie Nicks, Buckingham, Mick Fleetwood. <laughs> you know, he hung out with the Eagles and those guys early on. So he wrote a lot of music too a lot of music for other people but then again when you when you talk about fish you're talking about a huge band starts in a college town and then when they tour they tour i i i think dennis i saw fish with you at at the box at madison yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and that was a great show but you know part of me wanted always to go back and see fish on the floor yeah you know yep i agree you know and that night that we saw them the only two songs i recognized were boogie on reggae woman and rock and roll by lou reed the only two songs i knew were their covers <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, how about anybody else did anybody else see fish i saw fish in winston-salem and no, uh, I was just going to say everything about that band was a band that I thought that I would like and really get into. And I was just disappointed in the concert. It just didn't do it for me. And since then, I've gone to some fish cover bands and kind of had the same experience. And it baffles me actually a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've gone kind of like Artie. I thought I would enjoy it more. I like the yeah. aesthetic, the kind of the scene type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but the band itself didn't do it for me. And for me, Zevon goes through on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've, well, I have over a thousand dead shows on, C, uh, on electronic, you know, and, and then I was like, I'm going to do that to the fish shows. And I couldn't, I said, I just couldn't listen to a whole fish show. I, and I was like, I'm, I must be in a jerk because I love them, but I can't. It reminds me of the old uh, Grateful Dead joke. What did uh, one deadhead say to the other when they ran out of pot? What's that? This music sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, I'm waiting for Dennis, you know, because Yvonne, uh, he, he sang something on that Dead Tribute album, didn't he? He did. He actually has played with the Dead. And the Dead, um, the Dead started covering Werewolves of London before it even broke on the radio. Yeah. Oh, really? There, if anybody's interested, there's a book called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead mm -hmm. that was written by, I think, his ex-wife. That was a really good book. And it was like no holds barred on just all his difficulties with drinking and everything like that. Yeah. And one part of the book is um, he opened up for the dead at a stadium show. I think it was in Santa Barbara and I think it was 78. And he got so fucked up that even the dead were like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> and which was kind of a shame, but it's also kind of something that was a, uh, you know, a consistent thing throughout his career. 
Yeah. And and you may or may not know, but David Letterman loved Warren Zevon. Yes, I did know that. And Mm -hmm. he had Warren Zevon on as his guest for the entire evening shortly before he passed, knowing that it was going to be his last time, you know, do something like that. And it was pretty poignant. Go ahead, Gig. That last record that Warren Zevon, I need to go back to it. Um, you know, I have time to listen for it tonight. But uh, the wind that he put out in two thousand three, when he knew he had the cancer, that's, uh, that's fantastic. A, that's a heck of a record. You know, obviously it means a whole lot. But you know, he knew what he was looking death in the eye. But yeah, it's an amazing end of the career album. Unless anybody else has any negative stuff, Warren's going on over fish, which uh, some people in Burlington, Vermont, might not be too happy about. <laughs> yeah, but we don't care about yeah. them. They can't. Cars are getting overturned as we speak. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so now this, I think, and we, we, some people alluded to the fact when we, when we texted each other, this could be the first big matchup of the night. We have the Ramones against the cars you know we have the cars they came from boston which is you know they're probably were uh you know a red sox fans and then that's that's already one reason to put them down yeah (laughs) and then then you have the ramones and yeah they were from forest hills queens which is just around the stadium of you know uh the mets and or the yankees over in brooklyn so I Papa Gig, you have your Ramon shirt on tonight. Let's give us something. Oh, who is that? Oh, nice, Joey. Nice. I got my DD Ramon bobblehead, baby. Oh, nice. <laughs> DD was a rock and roll animal. So yeah. fill, it, fill us in because I really thought they were brothers and they all were related, but they I guess all not. Just their name. Yeah, the Ramones were, they were my game changer. You know, before my sister brought home, I have the CD, but before my sister brought home Rocket to Russia in 78 or 79, I don't know, I was in seventh grade. You know, I was listening to all the music of the 70s, Heart, and it's all good, Boston and Kansas and all that. Um, and then you have the Who and the Stones and Zeppelin. But wow, when I heard Rocket to Russia, I became a punk rock kid. It's just for me. You know, that was their moans and the clash and the sex pistols and I could go on and on. But I was a total punk rock from seventh grade until today, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I love their moans. They're, they're, I don't say they're a brand because they wouldn't like to be called a brand, but they had such a style. All the yep. shows they did. Okay, they were, you know, they played the two minute songs and they're two, three, four, you know, with uh, DD in between songs and blasting out one after another. But they had such an attitude and they, they were responsible for so much music ever since them and I was glad I, I finally got to see them in 89 um, I think it was and my wife was in grad school in Baltimore so it was the only time I saw them at a little club called Hammerjacks in Baltimore but wow what a show and I'm glad I at least got to see them once because the four originals they're no longer with us so yep, they're all done yeah, the funny part is you say about I was living in Lauderdale I was at an it was Irish pub night we used to do clubbing on Saturday with my friend Andy and then uh, we used to pub night and then they were like oh the Ramones are playing and I was like oh let's have a couple of drinks first before we go over and which just lasted like an hour and then we went over and they were like no the show's over <laughs> you know, they, played, they played their 67 minutes and they left <laughs> and they probably played 33 songs in those 67 minutes that's right that's right, yep. Yep. That's right. yeah I, you, big mike 
or, or no TD. Go ahead. I was just I was just gonna say I I I looked at this matchup and for me it was very simple. I'm not a huge fan of either band, but I certainly appreciate the Ramones. I think the Cars are a nice band. They wrote some nice songs, uh, but the Ramones are an institution. Um, and I you know and, and I, I like sure. I said I'm not a huge fan of either one, but for me there's no comparison here. The Ramones are are the are the hands down winner. Come on, 1978. I'm just what I needed. I would hum that in like the supermarket or something. Yeah, it's catchy. I said it's a nice. They're a nice band, but they're not the Ramones. You know, I've uh, I've always been surprised. To me, the Ramones are ten times more popular today than when they were playing. Uh, yes. You, the, I saw the Ramones on the steps of Suffolk County Community College Library steps. That you, sounds those perfect. Those were the gigs that they were playing at their peak. Sure. Uh, you know, and like I said, I think you see high school kids with Ramones shirts. You know, their music has played a lot in movies. And I think we talked last week, um, you know, their music has had a real uh, staying power. It didn't just disappear. Yes. But it had the cultural impact that was superseded the music. Yeah. Yep. And I, that's I, what I mean I about institution. I've seen the cars. And the cars were, I think Todd said it right. The cars were a good band and they wrote catchy tunes. And, but there's just something about, you know, they're like the remote. All you have to say is the remotes. Sure. And I don't think the cars were um, ever written into a Simpsons episode. You know, I always found Joey weird to look at. You know, he was very, very pale and skinny yeah. and he didn't move around a lot when he played. Um, kind of reminds me of Yellow Man a little bit, Pat. I don't know if you remember when we used to go. Oh, see sure. Him. I remember Yellow Man. Well, the yeah. nicest part about the Ramones, they were inducted into the Rock and Hole on their first year of edu- eligibility. Uh, yeah, when you jump down deep into it, you know, the Ramones just beating the cars. Um, and here's one. Here's an interesting one. The next two up is Genesis against Backman Turner Overdrive. But we all know they they started and then they didn't they had a couple hits whereas Genesis started with Peter Gabriel and and it was funny because I talk, I was talking to you guys about it. I, I listened to them today and I was like, their early stuff is so orchestral. Yep. Fairy tale-ish. Symphonic. They're two different bands. Yeah, they're two different bands, right? After Absolutely. Yep. Life. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk, let's let's jump into that. Let's talk about that. And Pat, just so you know, I looked it up quick. Their manager gave him the name. They were originally going to be called Gabriel's Angels, and their manager changed it to Genesis. <laughs> Thank you, man. That was a very good move. <clears throat> yeah, right. he knows what he was doing. Well, you know, when Peter Gabriel was there, it was it, it was a. Uh, they were, like you said, they were a totally different band. It was very, I thought, symphonic and, you know, very complex and layered. Um, and then when Peter Gabriel left, they kind of, you know, reorganized and became a totally different band and were and and had amazing success. But they sound like a totally different outfit with Phil Collins doing 
the vocals and and the drums. Uh, but I, I like I, I generally like all Genesis you know their entire catalog uh i find all of it enjoyable even though it's you know really different like you said that like i never was like i'll listen to lamb lies on broadway but it's it's not my i'm not a genesis fan with peter gabriel but i am a huge duke i love that duke album i thought that was they really went progressive they kept progressive a theme if you listen to that album start to finish it's got a story Right after that, it's like every every Genesis song after Duke was it was on a Miami Vice episode, you know. <laughs> I don't know. That's my opinion on song. You know, throw it all away. You know, tonight, tonight. I think uh, you know, who knows. Uh, yeah, but I I love Ab I love Abacab though, and uh, and I I saw I saw I saw Genesis at the at Veterans Stadium, uh, and the the Flyers were playing across the street in the Stanley Cup Finals against the Edmonton Oilers, and I remember Phil Collins, being the giant hockey fan that he is, uh, announced that. The Oilers were up three to two, but don't worry. It's only the second period. It's only the second quarter. They've got two quarters left. And the Philly fans actually booed him. <laughs> so that was that was interesting. Yeah. That's for all our hockey fans out there, both of you. Has anyone seen there's uh, somebody on the uh, on YouTube who does um, videos of him purportedly listening to songs for the first time? Well, actually, no, there's actually but this was two kids, I think, listening to um, In the Air Tonight for the first time. And they get to the uh, the drum part. Yes. And it kind of blows their minds. Am I the only one who saw that? No, I, th- I, th- I saw that. Too. That was good. We are going to introduce the next two bands. So we have Van Morrison against Stone Temple Pilots. Now, I, I picked this song for a reason. You ever seen that really bad video where it says people singing uh, the wrong um, lyrics? Yeah. I always thought it was the right side of the road, not the <laughs> bright side of the road. <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, so an interesting run. You know, we got Stone Temple against Van Morrison. Um, the joke I always thought was Van Morrison was, uh, you were the storm on a good night or a bad night. And if it was a good night, he he would play all night long. And if he maybe had a little too much to drink and he wasn't happy... He played for 55 minutes and he walked off the stage. Yeah, I saw Van Morrison probably early 90s, um, Lake Compounds, Connecticut, and uh, it, it was a it was a pretty short show. We got there a little late, um, but uh, he didn't play many songs that I recognized. Now I'm a big Van Morrison fan. I I, I think he's uh, he's got a lot of chops, and I would definitely vote him uh, to to push through ahead of uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Um, but yeah. yeah, I was kind of disappointed with the show that I saw him at. I just, you know, I just, I wasn't impressed. You know, um, I didn't really know many of the songs, and his band was great, but um, it was just kind of short, and you know, just didn't leave a really great impression on me. But then you got Stone Temple Pilots. You know, they they when they I, get on stage, they rock. They were yeah, good. I've I would. Seen them. I would like to uh, speak in favor of Stone Temple Pilots. So uh, 
obviously a, a fairly short run, but uh, everything they did was, I think, pretty powerful. Uh, they did some some different kind of stuff. Um, I think they were very musically talented, and uh, I just I just enjoy their music immensely. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm familiar with Van Morrison, uh, but I would say I'm an STP fan. So maybe that disqualifies me. But uh, I, I really, really like them. Yeah. How about you, Big Mike? What do you got? Van the Man? So um, so Astral Weeks is, like, consistently named uh, when, like, uh, yeah. uh, XPN does their 100 greatest albums. Astral Weeks always seems to find its way to the top ten. Um, but when you talk about, like, not wanting to meet your your heroes, you know, don't meet your heroes, you'll be afraid of the outcome. Um I always, for some reason, think of Van Morrison because he just seems like a horrible person. Lovely musician, <laughs> but horrible person. <laughs> it's like a grouchy old man who doesn't, doesn't want to be a good musician, but does it. He's stuck with this curse. So um, I, I, think I, have to, I think I have to go STP on this, even though I highly respect Van Morrison. Sure. Yeah, I think you lose points for that. <laughs> Say that again, DJ. I said, I think you lose points for that when you become the curmudgeon. Like, I've been to shows where you don't hear, you know, I get the artist's right to play what they want. Like Neil Young, he doesn't give a shit, you know, I'm here to play what I want to play. But when you're going to see, like Mikey said, Van Morrison, like a legend, and he yeah. plays, you know, he plays, you don't even know anything he plays. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I've, and, I've heard and, stories. You know, of, I've heard stories of people who went to see him, and and they thought he was actively trying to piss off everybody in the audience, like Billy Corgan <laughs> of Smashing Pumpkins. You know, like it was his goal to have everybody leave just pissed off. Yeah. Hey, I, I just got to share my Smashing Pumpkins story because it's. Uh, I saw them before <laughs> they hit it big in Manhattan and Billy Corgan pissed off the crowd. And this is, this is like yeah, late November. He, he was good at it early. So people, I'm not making this up. People were taking off their shoes and it was kind of a small venue and throwing their shoes like 90 mile an hour fastballs going right at him. And while he's playing, he's ducking the shoes. But the part that even puzzled me the most is I was like, they weren't getting their shoes back. And now they've got to walk out into the streets of Manhattan with no shoes, but they didn't seem to care. <laughs> but they proved the point. <laughs> well, Gig, I'm, I'm glad, Papa Gig, you got back in because you, you are the one that is going to put one in. We're tied here. So is it Stone Temple Pilots or is it? Van Morrison going through. Now, you know, recap because you got bounced off there. Um, Van Morrison, you know, he he drinks sometimes. Oh, you're offline. Gig, can you hear me? <laughs> the pressure was too much. I can see this. We're not even doing this on purpose. <laughs> no, we're not. The best part about Zoom. Okay, I'm going to play rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Oh, it's going Wait, back. there he is. He's back. I see him. <laughs> We're split down the middle. Van Morrison and against Stone Temple, and you're the deciding factor. Yeah, so this is a tough one. You know, Van Morrison, great soulful voice. Got to love, especially his early stuff. But I'll be honest, you know, it's uh, it's Astro 
and it's uh, all those, those couple records right there, uh, Moon Dance, you know. But after that, I don't know the catalog too well. I know he's done a lot, but that's my fault. But right the way I'm reading it, them is not in this. If this were them with Van Morrison, I'd go for Van Morrison because his first band, them, I thought was fantastic. So if I'm not, if mm-hmm. I'm them in my vote, the rocker in me is going to go with STP. You know, as a big Pearl Jam fan, I think a lot of people got on because they ripped off Pearl Jam. But uh, I think they wrote a lot of good songs. It's, you know, maybe the first record they were ripped off, but I think they kind of kind of found their own feet and everything. And I think everyone talks about Wyland, 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 but those two DeLeo brothers, you know, to me, they're the kind of, they're the riff members yeah. and the the, yep. the guitar and bass and the drive the band. And um, so I'm going to give STP by a slight edge just because they, they rocked hard all throughout their career. And I think they made some really good, that tripping on the whole of paper harder, I forget the name, but some of their, their last record too, I thought were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that Wyland had, you know, bless him, yeah. had the problems he had. But on just the sheer rock and on a yeah. slight nod to STP. All right, that's good. I like that. STP going through the next round. Well, the next two Not bands. <laughs> the next two bands, we have uh, Jackson Brown against Chicago. Now, you guys can hear that right now. Running on empty. I'm, I'm telling you, I remember back in high school, this was rocking. And I saw Jackson Brown do an acoustic show when I lived in Florida. It was kind of like a fundraiser for someone. But Chicago, that baseline, I'm a man. This is, this is one of my favorite bass lines ever. I wanted to play the bass, and already saw me in a band in Richmond, Virginia. Now I could never play the band like this song, but they they had so many hits early on, and but then Jackson Brown did too. So who's who has seen Jackson Brown? Has anybody seen Jackson Brown in Chicago? DJ. Yeah, I've seen I've seen Jackson Brown when he was selling it, you know, filling arenas, and I've seen him in a uh, I've seen him in Westbury Music Fair. Oh, nice, yeah. And you know, he's that you know the epitome of the singer songwriter. Um, yeah, and you're right. You know, he can uh, he can make a big room intimate. You know, with his manner and everything. I'm kind of torn on this one though. You know, I'd, any band that's got horns, you got to add a star. <laughs> And, um, you know, Chicago kind of had their phases, like when they were the Chicago Transit Authority. Uh, I like that stuff. There's some real good bootlegs when they played at Tanglewood. Um, You know what? I don't know. I don't know who I would send through on this yet. Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, about you, uh, Big Mike? What do you got? You got uh, Jackson Brown or do you have – so Chicago going. I'm probably not the guy to ask about this. My first introduction to uh, Chicago was uh, in Reservoir Dogs when um, <laughs> I think they used one of the yep. <laughs> when they were like cutting off his ear. Or, or yes, like, and it wasn't Saturday in the Park, was it? No, it was like, no. It was, and so I was like, "Who? This is good." Quentin Tarantino did a great job with soundtrack. So, uh, but I know they existed long before that. Um, and um, so uh, they never they never grabbed me. I'm usually a huge fan of horn sections, but they never they never totally did it for me. So um, for his for his songsmanship and for his ability to be personable, <laughs> which isn't you know uh, which shouldn't be the, the criteria. Here, uh, I'm gonna vote for Jackson Brown. <laughs> Jackson Brown, Mr. Congeniality. Right. Sure. <laughs> How about 
How about you, uh, Yolo? What do you got? Anything? Much. Well, this is a tough one for me too, but I think maybe I just go towards Chicago for the horns and uh, the energy, maybe of their music. Yeah, yeah. Well, we might be split down the middle here on this one. I mean, uh, Mikey D. I'm kind of torn too. I think this is a tough matchup. I think they're, uh, you know, they both got a lot to, uh, a lot of, a lot of admirable qualities, a lot of great material. They've been around for a long time. Um, I don't know if you guys remember back in like the eighties, nineties, there was some radio show that was like a call in romantic show. And they played this, this loop of the Chicago song. And I can't remember the name of the song, but it was this, this, really bad show that just was on the radio all the time and it kind of <laughs> you can leave me now that's all maybe yeah and it just turned me <laughs> off on chicago a little bit ever since then i just never really kind of could i never had the warm fuzzies i mean they had some great songs 20 25 or 64 is an awesome song i mean they, sure. they could rock the house but i think i gotta go with jackson brown um just based on his yeah. uh his overall contribution and, and body of work Jackson Brown write one of the Eagles' big hits. Take yeah. it easy. Yeah, he started yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. I think he wrote. Yeah, he started it. Yeah, they exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. So yep. Jackson Brown would get my. Vote. Yeah. I think I I echo so many things that you guys said. I'm torn too. I think it's what do you go for the overall vibe of the song and the feel of the music, or you go for like the meaning of the song, what your personal connection. I think for me, the slight deciding factor is I just feel like I connect with Jackson Brown's songs more. You know, sure. just the lyrics in the song. I feel like I can make a better connection, so I'm going to give a slight nod to Jackson Jackson Brown, even though Chicago makes some great music. I'm with all you guys. The scores are fantastic, but I just feel a little more connection to Jackson Brown's song, so I'm going with him. I um, if I could just say, I, I the, those horns, you know, uh, I find them traumatizing <laughs> because, and I and I usually like horns, but this is the reverse of many stories I've told. My dad tended to play Chicago when he had too much to drink, and then listen, listen to how great these horns are no it was just like it was like oh hell here we go so jackson brown gets my vote just because i just can't deal with that emotional trauma so and i'll have to vote with that at the same time yeah so i think we got to get uh jackson brown going through on that one um, now the next two uh, we got an Eng- some english guys in uh, Birmingham, and they like to drink and fight. And then you got Bruce Springsteen. He's from Jersey, and they they like he likes to to fight too. <laughs> so that the matchup is ELO against Bruce Springsteen, and you get you you got Jeff Lynn, man. And I, I admire him for one reason. He was like, hey, let's take cool orchestra music and turn it into something awesome that people want to listen and dance to. And yeah. I I think he achieved his mission. Anybody yeah. see Bruce that early? No. no. Yes. Yeah, first time I saw him was '81 when he opened up the Brendan Byrne Arena. Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. Um, I go to see Tramps Like Us, uh, and they recreate shows from the '70s. Yeah, they're like the Dark Star Orchestra for Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. He played four hours and one minute when I saw him in 2018. Wow. And we went to see him. I went with that uh, to see him at Giant Stadium. It was an eight o'clock show. I got to my seat at like I got thrown out trying to get in for trying to bring a camera in. So I had to, you know, I had to put it down my pants and go to a different line. So I got to our seats late. And as I'm getting to our seats, it's about seven forty. Yeah. And I'm noticing people 
moving off the floor. And I'm like, what's going on? And then I heard the announcement. They were clearing this floor and the stadium because there was a storm coming in. This is giant stadium. So sure. six, 70,000 people. So <clears throat> we get the announcement that we now have to leave our seats. So the floor's already cleared. Now the bowl has to clear out. So we're standing in the bowels of giant stadium. It is raining as hard as you can imagine. It's yeah. raining so hard that water is leaking into the inside of the stadium from running down through interior pipes. And, wow. and it's humid. It was a mess. He came on at 11.30 <laughs> and played until 2.30. Wow. Yeah. Which and everyone was just waited cool. there. It was cool and not cool because it was a work night, so... <laughs> Yeah, right. What's that? Yeah. You were in New Jersey. Your boss was probably there. You have a good excuse, you know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was he. He delivers. It's, yeah. I mean, he can. He, yeah. he brings it. I would think in this matchup, I, I looked at it as, and I'm not a huge Springsteen fan, but I certainly appreciate him. Uh, he just seems kind of timeless and, and soulful. Uh, and ELO, as soon as I hear it, I'm like, nope, 1977, disco-ish, you know, and and that and a lot of catchy tunes. And I and as a kid, I love some of them. But sure. to me, it's just I can't I can't listen to a lot of it. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, I can just kind of get into and settle in and listen and be there for the journey. You know, I think it's just timeless. One thing, if I could say about Bruce, I like Bruce. I have some of his stuff and maybe like Todd, you know, I, if I hear it, you know, I like it. I, I don't know his full body, but you know, and I appreciate it. But when you're at the show, the crowd there is so devoted that they lift, they, you know, you just can't help, but get sucked into it. And yep. Have a good time. Yep. 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 I've seen uh, him three times and that was my experience all three times. Yeah. Big Mike, do you have anything to add? I mean, this isn't even a conversation, really. I mean, like, ELO is nice, and Jeff Lynn is like, <laughs> like I mean, Bruce Springsteen has, like, that. It, it's just it's big dick energy. It's like he, like he has everything. <laughs> like, just, I mean, and like, not to take anything away from ELO, but it's, it's not even, it's like, Sure. It's like varsity and JV. To me, the best the best thing that Jeff Lynn did was joining the traveling. Uh, yeah, I like I actually like that more than ELO. Sure. Yep. Yep. I agree. And uh, uh, there we have it. So we, so we have uh, Bruce moving on, and that's great. The second, or maybe even the the, the craziest uh, matchup of the of the night: Judas Priest against Poison. I, so it's not it's not it's not tough. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, so when I when I always say there it is, when I was uh, when I was you know I always talk about being a heavy metal thunder kid. For me, it was Judas Priest. That was the band that you know I was like, wow, this is my thing. And it's yeah. as embarrassing as that is now to say, um, it was you know I really really loved it. And to me, so I'm going to go back to a metaphor that that Big Mike used previously when he said Motley Crue was mcdonald's of music you know like it counts as music but you know like you never feel good after you listen to it to me sure. poison is arby's right so it's it's not it's barely even music 
to me. I never liked them. I always thought they were posers. I wanted to love them because they were the heavy metal guys that made it big or the glam rock guys from central Pennsylvania originally from Harrisburg. And I just couldn't stand them. And I was a huge Judas Priest fan, not realizing that, you know, a lot of this is spinal tap was based on Judas Priest uh, and and kind of what a joke they were. But, you know, for me here, there's no there's just no comparison. And a lot of that's just nostalgia. Uh, But I had Judas Priest posters all over my room when I was a kid. And uh, and and I admit it even to this day, uh, even though my loved ones don't like when I say that. So, yeah, for me, I never like poison. And, and when people uh, like poison, I just don't get it. I understand maybe it's catchy, but yeah, I just – yeah, I just don't like it. I said when he said when people say they like poison, I just interjected. I judge them. <laughs> <laughs> With good reason. All right. Well, listen. You know, they are from Mechanicsburg. Listen, you bastards. I love Arby's. All right. And <laughs> – C.C. DeVille was highly influential in the beginning of my career as a guitar player. All right? Forget the lipstick. Forget the Aquanet in his hair. But you progressed beyond that. (laughs) They they had some good riffs. But dude is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's nothing but a good time. Come on. That, that riff like inspired me. Yeah, the Judas Priest kind of pioneered that two guitar playing in unison harmony, bouncing solos back and forth. Uh, and I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but as a kid, I, I just I absolutely loved it. I agree. Judas Priest moves on. And this song, you got another thing coming. That was that was it. But then you know, if you were you were on a date, you would have to play it. Every rose has its thorn, you know, with your girl. Oh, you know. oh you're killing uh, me. <laughs> Who else has it's a thorn? It's so Anybody? schlocky. <laughs> Come on, big Mi- uh, Mikey D, you got something? You got any poison uh, or any, nothing? I, I don't really have much on this. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on either one of these bands, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I'd have to vote. I'd have to vote uh, Judas Priest to move on, but uh, I don't really have any any big stories to tell. Well, Pop, Papa Gig's got something. I'm going to just channel my inner Beavis and Butthead, okay? So I'm picturing Beavis and Butthead sitting on the couch, and they're listening to one and then the other, and I'm thinking Beavis and Butthead are going with Judas Priest, living after midnight, the law. So sure. those riffs, and then that was aggressive. And so in honor of Beavis and Butthead, I'm going with Judas Priest. It's, it's nice. just great rock and hard driving rock and roll. Yeah, me and my best friend Sherman, the German, had a lot of resemblance to Beavis and Butthead. So, <laughs> thank you. Right now in my head, I'm hearing Beavis saying a chanting, breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those guys knew music. They knew music. <laughs> they did. I love that show. Oh, I'm not ashamed I'm to say. That's good. So we have uh, we have a Judas Priest moving on. And now the next round, we br- we had Elvis against Clapton. But we talked about them three weeks ago. So we have Clapton moving on. So we're going to quickly move up to Sammy Hagar. And Soundgarden. All right. So and, and we can just put Soundgarden through and move on. <laughs> <laughs> My story is a sad story. I think I want to share this one of the other podcasts. Uh, I saw, well, I didn't see 
Soundgarden opened for Guns N' Roses. The only time I saw Guns N' Roses was mid midweek at the Spectrum, and it was a work night, and I got down there a little bit too late. I walked on, and we got in as Soundgarden's ending the show. So mine's a sad story. But, yeah, Soundgarden, great sound. Uh, all four of them were great. You know, Cameron on the drums, and uh, uh, obviously Cornell's vocals are amazing. Uh, uh, Kim, they all, how do you say his name? But, yeah, the, the, the guitar and rhythm. I just think they, they were part of a great movement. Um, a lot of great songs. Sammy, I, I'm not going to say much about Sammy. I, I just that's I just don't dig Sammy. But Soundgarden just has a great sound. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I don't know if anyone. I like DJs because I, you know I was I was delving deep into Sammy and now listen. He's wait. Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um. You know, he was in a, a Montrose. I think he was in a Van Montrose or something. He was. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was. And then, um, and then he did his own thing, and then, um, and then Van Halen picked him up. And I, I really only thought he played with them for a little while, but it was almost ten years, eight, ten years. Something like yeah, that. and I, I saw, I saw Van Halen with both David Lee Roth and Sammy Hager, and they were both fantastic showmen, very different and uh, different stage personas. But they were, I mean, I love Van Halen with both front men. Um, mm-hmm. But I never, I, I actually have a Sammy Hager. Actually, Pat brought me a Sammy Hager album. Oh, that's right. One night uh, that I already had. So I have two copies of Sammy Hager VOA. Uh, sure. I can't drive 55 and two sides of love. Uh, yeah. I, wonder, I wonder why I got rid of that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why you've never been invited back. <laughs> so um but yeah uh yeah but soundgarden's just again a, you know just influential uh different and i love the musicianship sammy hager i thought yep. was a little i don't know a little bit of a yeah. i don't know he's just a cookie cutter rocker guy i think yeah. who sells a shit ton of tequila sure I hear you. Well, there we go. We'll, we'll get we'll get them moving on against Sammy. We got we got ACDC against Boston, and that you know somebody could say, "Oh, I'm putting somebody through all the way." But when you look back at the two, I know ACDC. You know they lost their singer after a while, um, and but then they came back and just ripped album after album after album. But then someone says, hey, it's the same stuff. Who's got a story for us? I kind of look at Boston as packing their, a career into their first album. Yeah. But, um, I, I never saw Boston. I don't know that they even performed that much because of the nature of how they uh, were built as a band. But, a couple uh, years my, ago. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, to me, I think it's ACDC. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I saw like three members from Boston at the casino and they transformed themselves into a blues band and they were awful. Was, the whole thing was odd to me. Yeah. You know, no keyboards or any of that, uh, you know, a 1950s blues band. I was in a band in high school and, and one of the songs they wanted me to sing was More Than a Feeling. Now, I want you guys to go in, in your showers tomorrow. <laughs> I want you to try and sing more feeling, like, like for real, like we're singing it, right? It's a hard song to sing, and so Boston, Boston may be good, but I, it's, it's traumatic for me. It's like, it's like yeah. Todd, like I can't. Like, there are too many memories from when I'm younger. 
Whoever is going against Boston moves on. <laughs> well, when when your band, when your lead guitars on your band uh, wears a schoolboy's outfit and rocks it for years, right? <laughs> That's, that's yeah, brother Malcolm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's Malcolm. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. Malcolm. And I would like to point out that all the all the all the bands with city names are not faring well tonight. They're, they're, we're all traumatized by them. <laughs> so Chicago, Boston, it's just a rough night. Thank God it's you know, there's no Philadelphia or Emmaus. <laughs> we're into a cruise band. We're in this. <laughs> Well, we have two. We have two bands left because ACDC is moving on. We have two. Actually, we have two brackets left. But I'll, we'll talk about the other one. <clears throat> we ex- extensively talked about Pearl Jam and Fleetwood Mac on the first week we had that, and Pearl Jam definitely moves on. And uh, poor Lee. Lee is not here. <laughs> And because Lee, uh, Lee initially said he was like, oh, I really wanted to talk about that. Well, uh, sorry, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Fleetwood Mac was not going through against Pearl Jam. Anyway, but now we'll get to the last two bands. We have Little Feet against the Moody Blues. <laughs> but who has some stories on this? Anybody have any stories on Little Feet against Moody Blues? It's almost like an offshoot. It's the... Um, it's the clearance sale rack, and you don't really need a shirt, but it's two bucks, so you buy it. I, I think it's no contest to me. I think Little Feet is heads and shoulders by far above and beyond the Moody Blues. I mean, I, I personally hate Nights in White Satin. I think it's one of the most awful, overplayed songs of all time. <laughs> 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 and, and you know, the, the, I, I I just got the sense with Knights in White Satin that they tried really hard to make that song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I don't dislike yeah. it, but I, I don't I don't love it. Uh, I really like Feats Don't Fail Me Now. Uh, my dad had that album and he played that all the time. Uh, and that's what I always think of with Little Feet. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Low George and Bill Payne, you know, great. And that that was just two guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think Waiting for Columbus is one of the top 10 live albums of all time. And it's got the Tower of Power on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was Lowell George kind of at the height of his powers. And I just, I can, I still listen to that on a regular basis. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, and, and I've seen them a bunch of times. I didn't see them with Lowell George. I wish I did. And they, uh, they just have a, a great body. I just, I just, love, I, I think they're great. And Lowell George produced Shakedown Street for the Dead. So, oh, he did. Yeah. How about anybody else? And he died shortly thereafter. I don't know if there's any connection, but well, it, uh, it, 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 I wasn't going to bring it up, but I, but I I still listened to that podcast, and and it was about him, and he was so he was on his solo tour. I think he put that solo CD or album out, and he was torn on that, and he was he had a couple extra pounds on him, and he was overweight. He was a big dude. He was a big guy, and um, and the story was they he ordered a pizza and he went back to his hotel room, and the next day he wasn't with him. You know, he wasn't with us anymore. Um, and incidentally, he was uh, he auditioned for or was he tried out for the Mothers of Invention with Zappa? That's right. That's he, was, right. he was in the yep. band, I yep. think. And you know, Zappa told him, uh, you know, if you don't like what I'm doing, go start your own band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think he was actually he helped him out with a record deal. I think. DJ. 
Possibly. I don't know those details. I think yeah. he was actually yeah. in the band. I think he was in Zappa's band and got fired. I think so, too. I'm a little gray on the details. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, a, there, there's some... I've heard some stories about it. It was, you know, he wrote the song Willin' and played it for Frank Zappa. And Frank was like, you need to go form your own band, man. You, you, you need to stop messing around with me. Um, yeah. that, that sounds yeah. right. So, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's a good one. Bringing it full circle back to Zappa. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, that's, this is a good, this is a good bracket. This is a real good. Bracket. I just want to help Mike D with, uh, I can't really get too jazzed about either one. The inner hippie likes a little bit of Tuesday afternoon, Nights and White Satin. But Mike D, I want and all the listeners out there, I want you to check out a really good cover of Nights and White Satin. The original song probably clocks in at five, five and a half minutes. But the punk rocker in me um, first learned the song from a band called the Dickies. They were great. They were out of San Francisco in the first wave of American punk, late 70s. And they do a cover of Nights and White Satin and also a cover of Paranoid by Black Sabbath. you got to check out the Dickies catalog alone for their covers of Paranoid and Nights and White Satin. Do yourself all a favor. Right. Listen to their covers. Right. You will find right. on love we'll of... Paranoid, I think we all love Black Sabbath's version. But real quick, Nights and White Satin, I want you to check it out, Mike D, and I think you'll like the song, but maybe the Dickies version. Yeah. All right. That sounds like a plan. All right, boys, that was a great bracket, and now we are ready for our time machine question of the day. Now, you have to think, I need two things. If you were 18, you come home from school, you just graduate high school, and your folks give you a car, a brand new car whatever card is you want and of course you're going to grab your person you want to go on a road trip with to um, a keg party and then of course we're going to park the car and you're spending the night at the car but then you got about an hour ride 45 minute ride with this person in your fancy new car a i need the car b what rocker are you taking? Uh, I'm going to let you guys think about this a second because I'm going to go first. They still will make Volkswagen camper buses at the time. It's a van again now. So my, I get in the driveway and there it is. Boom. So I leave my driveway and I'm going to pick up one person. Now, I'm on Long Island because I'm in Port Jefferson. And I just go to the South Shore and I pick up... Joan Jet. So that's what I got. I got a camper bus and Joan Jet to the keg party. Papa Gig, who do you got? What's the car and who you? I'm not the biggest car guy, so I can't give you a model. And so I'm gonna pick like an old Mustang. Okay, take an old Mustang. Perfect. And I'm taking Iggy Pop with me. Okay, we're gonna play music really, really loud. Me and Iggy Pop are cruising the Mustang. Sure. Awesome. Excellent. And you don't have to worry so much about food because he's skinny anyway. He's not going to <laughs> uh, TD, I, had you, you saw, I saw your hand up. Who do you got? What do you got? Yeah. What's the car and who are you bringing? So I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I think, I think it's, uh, this was actually a high school friend of mine's car. I helped him, I helped him restore. I have no skill. I just did whatever he told me at his uncle's garage. Uh, I think it was a 74, 72 uh, Ford Fairlane 500, bright yellow. Uh, so I'm borrowing oh. Marty's car and I'm picking up Jimi Hendrix, telling him he's got to bring his guitar. Uh, and then, and then we're cruising nice. uh, to the keg party and I'm going to be, I'm just going to be mythical forever for showing up with Jimi Hendrix in that car. <laughs> Very nice. Now we're all, we're all showing up at the same keg party. So we're all pulling in you know, together. <laughs> 
This is a good music video. This is a great MTV video from the from the eighties. But I'm going to be optimistic, and I want something with room, so it's going to be a Cadillac. And I'm going with Olivia Newton John. You bad boy. That is classic. I love it. I love it. So we got uh, Big Mike, Mikey D, and Yolo. Who wants to yep. go? I'll, I'll go. Uh, I think the car that I would choose would be a Porsche 911. Uh, nice. And the person I would choose would be from this bracket. Uh, it would have to be Bruce. Oh, I think he'd be a lot of very fun. Very nice. <laughs> No, he wouldn't be a lot of fun. I think he would be talking up Olivia Newton-John, too, but I don't know. <laughs> Mikey D or Big Mike, what's the car and who pick it up? So I just... I Do not say Tiny Tim, just, okay? Uh, damn, you took my answer. I just I just Googled um, the, the top 10 cars from 1996. And so as a reasonable sort of pragmatic guy, I'm going to take I'm going to take a Ford Taurus because that's the most reliable car. That was. <laughs> oh I thought you were going to say Chevy Citation. <laughs> we're going to take that Ford Taurus and we're going to we're going to step it up. We're going to turn it to 11. We're going to pick up Keith Richards, which has been a theme for this entire podcast. With me. Uh, and we're going to see what kind of shit we get into with this Ford Taurus up on the up on the moon tower with the keg. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And Mikey D, you're the last to go. What's the car, and who are we picking? Up? Um, I guess I'd. I'd... I'd grab a uh, uh, an MG convertible, and uh, you know who's Keith Richards is awesome, but you got to have Mick Jagger when you got Keith Richards at the party. <laughs> I, I pick up Mick Jagger. And, I like uh, it. Yeah. Very good. I would love to hear what Mick Jagger says when you pull next to the four tires. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that happens here. <laughs> Next to Big Mike. He'd say there's there's a lot more leg room over there, <laughs> mate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, there we have it, guys. We are done with the bracket. I appreciate you all jumping on. We're going to end the show. You all can say goodbye. We'll run through. I'll say your name. You can say goodbye to TD. Say goodbye to the crew. Adios, amigos. YOLO. Have a good night. Big Mike. Good night, everyone. Mikey D. So long, everybody. DJ. Take care, everyone. Have a good weekend. Papa gig. Gotta run. The Ramon song is almost over. <laughs>